we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thanks for taking the time to download this episode. As always, today we'll be covering the big results of the weekend and taking your thoughts and calls on what's been happening, particularly at United and City. Plus, we talk about our favourite striking pairs and fights between teammates. And it starts now. Manchester Football Social. Good evening, it is Sunday. Welcome to the Manchester Football Social, bringing you up to date with everything that's happened over the weekend and today. And doing that for you, Manchester United fan, all-round funny guy, stand-up comedian and uh, resplendent in red, it's Alex Boardman. Yeah, hi there, I'm McGinley, who represents Man City. I'm not going to give you any compliments. Oh, okay, no, nothing at all. All right, fine. Should we do the headlines straight off the bat? Let's do that. All right, what have we got? Score lines then, what's we've been happening? We've got scores that affect the local teams and we've got basically, everything's gone off in the last couple of minutes because Tottenham have just finished. Yeah, they so, were losing 1-0 last I saw. Tottenham were losing 1-0 for most of the game, but let's start at the top of the table. Liverpool yesterday beat Crystal Palace 4-3. So City were seven points behind. City played today. Uh, City beat Huddersfield 3-0. So the gap is now back to four points. Uh, Tottenham beat Fulham 2-1. So they're currently in third on 51 points. And that affects uh, United, who beat Brighton. Excuse me. <clears throat> beat Brighton 2-1 yesterday. United are in six on 44 points. Arsenal beat Chelsea 2-0. Arsenal fifth on 44 points. Same as United. Chelsea only three points away. In fourth place, which is the spot that Jose Mourinho said the week before he left, fourth is looking like a miracle now. The Champions League probably will not be happening. Ole's got us within three points. Yeah, and he's played record six league setting games. record, not just record breaking, but record setting. First United manager to win his first uh, seven competitive games. Yeah, I think he's been done by Guardiola at City and one other manager, possibly. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember, it's a, it's, a, it's a continental club, maybe, it's, it's Barcelona. Any of those things you want to get in touch with us and have a little chat with us, we are here till 7 o'clock. Uh, the number, 0345-111-7625, cost the same as a local call, and we'll call you back as well, don't even worry about that. Uh, or you can get in touch with us on social media at MCR Footy Social. You might also want to talk about these rumours you may be seeing about Paul Scholes going to Oldham as the manager. Uh, we'll get somebody on to talk about that in a little while. But first up, uh, let's talk about the big game today. Uh, City away to Huddersfield. It looked like quite a nice day as well. And uh, Mike was watching. Uh, what did you think of the game today, Mike? 
Uh, yeah, I thought it was okay. Obviously, we're a little bit spoilt, so um, if things aren't absolutely fantastic, we can look a bit unhappy. Obviously, Pep looked unhappy in the uh, first half. He was having a bit of a sulk, and I think you could tell that uh, by the performance in the second half. We didn't really get out of second gear, apart from five minutes when we did and won the game, so pretty happy, really. It did look a little bit like we were struggling a, f- a bit in that first half. Like Aguero was there, but Aguero seemed to be a bit of a passenger for most of the game. Do you think that's just because he's not match fit? Well, he's, he's, um, he, he needs to play games consistently, doesn't he? Every time he gets injured, it takes two or three games for him to get back right on form. So I think that, that's always an issue with him. Uh, and he does get a few knocks, doesn't he? But um, I'd say... Uh, We've got enough firepower for him to not necessarily be on his game and then, you know, other people pick up the slack. So I'm not too concerned. And I think he'll get there. A couple oh, of yeah. Games, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm, pro- I'm sure he probably will. Do you, um, <laughs> do you think um, anything to do with having to follow Liverpool consistently? Because Liverpool have played first, haven't they, the last couple of times. Do you think that's affected the performance, maybe, the pressure or...? No, not to be honest with you, I really don't. I think that they, they're used to this kind of thing, uh, the, the pressure. I think it's not pressure when you play in Huddersfield, it's complacency. That's our problem, all, all due respect, of course, to Huddersfield. But, um, and I think you could see that it was complacency by the very fact that they were like Jekyll and Hyde between the first and the start of the second half. They just sort of like came alive, didn't they, after a rollicking, I'm sure. Um, so... I, I don't really see it being too much of a factor. I think what is a factor is the fact that we're in more competitions, more games, um, and that that could be the issue more than having to go second. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think Huddersfield looked that bad, actually. That's, I've only seen Huddersfield a couple of times this season, and uh, most of the time I've seen them, they've seemed unlucky. They've had goals go against them, penalty decisions go against them, and they don't look like a terrible, terrible football inside. No, well, he was a great manager, wasn't he? He, he, he got... He got everything out of them that he could possibly get but it is the kind of game where we struggle like we struggled against them before haven't we uh, away uh, and it is the kind of game that, that we can come unstuck uh, obviously we didn't beat Palace and they're sort of a lower down team we didn't beat Leicester and they're, uh, they're patchy aren't they Leicester so pretty happy really and they, they were a decent side um, It's like, these are the kind of games you really need to win though and these are the kind of games that could trip Liverpool up could trip us up uh, it's not necessarily all about beating the other top six it's making sure you don't slip up against the sort of lower down teams I think yeah because you actually do Palace were one of the teams that beat City exactly. a few weeks ago yeah. in that sort of disastrous run uh, did you see the Liverpool game I'm sure you know the result but did you see the, any of the game maybe in match of the day or something match of the day yeah match of the day and again they were I have to say they were pretty lucky weren't they they worked that, it yeah I mean, that's the general consensus uh, and that's a, that's you know what, that kind of thing makes you wonder, is it their year when they have that much going for them in the game? Um, and things like us missing a penalty against them and, you know, they didn't lose uh, against us. They could have lost. They didn't lose against Palace. They could easily have lost. So you do wonder. Well, Danny Murphy, Danny Murphy actually said that last night on Match of the Day. Do you... Oh, I wasn't listening to him. No, well, I, only, I actually picked that up on Twitter. Um, right. But do you actually think... Do you think it's Liverpool's year, or do you think it's your year again? Well, one of the other things I was going to say, the, the things you have to be careful, uh, sorry, mindful of, like the fixtures, uh, us having more games and being in more competitions, is the pressure on them is going to build and build and build. And we've seen it before when Rodgers was manager and they had Suarez, and it was us and them. And it's the pressure from the media, the pressure from the fans, the excitement of it. 29 years, is it? Well, um, 1990, yeah. Yeah, so that could be a factor, I think. Uh, so I'd be I'd be wary of saying it's their year because there's so much can happen in terms of injury, and they've got an all right squad, but it, it's not it's not bulletproof, is it? You no. Know, if, if certain players get injured, they haven't got cover. So yeah, well, the, the, we've seen that now because uh, Trent Alexander's injured for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, now Milner's suspended as well, so they haven't got a lot of cover in that position. And also, what's it really interesting for me? It's just in this month alone, they've conceded more goals than they have in the rest of the season in the league. So they've let seven goals in in, uh, in January, and uh, that in total they've only conceded 13. So maybe maybe this is they're absorbing that and they're going to move on, or maybe the cracks are starting to appear. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, of course, the cliche is 
and it's a, it's, it's a cliche and it's true, is that uh, if you win when you're playing bad, badly, then, you know, that's the sign of a title-winning team. So, I mean... Oh, no. It feels it. It feels it to me. It's awful, but it does fit. When they were sneaking one nils, especially the Everton game, that was the one for me where I was like, "Oh, oh God, no!" Yeah. You know, ninety fifth yeah. minute or something. Uh, Divock Origi of all people. Just they seem to have been gifted goals by goalkeepers as well. I'm not saying there's anything untoward about that, but just like mistakes and they, everything seems to be going in their favour. Salah not Manchester getting booked. It, well, it's do you know what? Manchester United, isn't it, Alex? We did this for 20 years. And, like, some seasons we were brilliant. Other seasons we were like, oh, we're not playing that well. It's like, how were we winning these games 1-0? I, we, yeah, we, it, we just did. Sorry. Yeah, that yeah, was it. Well, the amount of teams that used to go to Old Trafford, and as a, as a blue, I'd be like, why are they playing like this? Why are they making blunders and giving them games? And when you're on the other side of it, it's great, isn't it, when it's happening for you. But you really notice it when... Uh, when you're the rivals. So, um, so if yeah. Liverpool are playing the way United used to, is potentially Klopp the man to come in at next season? Well, at Old Trafford? Yeah. <laughs> no, not having that idiot. No way. That won't happen. Well, he's doing all right oh for an idiot. Hmm. No. They, they, I, don't, I hope they don't win it anyway, but I'm not having him. I'd rather never win it again than have him. <laughs> You don't like him, or you, you don't like him because he was a Liverpool manager. Yeah, I don't like him as a as a manager. I, don't, I think he gets away with murder. I think he's gotten away with murder, and, and Guardiola as well on the sidelines. I think they've got away with murder. What they do with referees, what they've been marching on the pitch and not getting booked, the way they've treated other players, walking on and shouting at them and stuff. And I don't know. I don't. I don't. Sorry, we've had Mourinho. He was a clown. I don't want another one. Like ap- that. Apologies, Mike. All I can hear is just this really annoying sound. I don't know if you're getting it as well. Quite, quite high pitch. <laughs> yeah. Nasal. Yeah. Really. <laughs> well, no, he, he, he's got a point though in this thing about managers getting carried away. Conte diving into the crowd. Yeah. There was the one yesterday. You sort of went on the pitch. Uh, it was, it was, it was the Santo one. as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was it. Santo, wasn't it? Yeah. Running on the pitch. There, I know the passion and everything and. Uh, Clap going berserk at the end and him going on the pitch. It's there's got to be a line. You don't want to be a killjoy, but I think there's got to be a line. Do you know what? In the old days, people go on about the old days. It never used to happen. One of the reasons it never used to happen was because the managers were all in the seventies. They all chain smoked or smoked cigars <laughs> yeah. and had sheepskin jackets on, so there was no way they were ever going on the pitch and like risking and, getting it muddy. And patent leather shoes that you yeah, slip on. The exactly. Yeah, they don't want to go on the grass. <laughs> the thing is, all that's keeping them in there is that little broken line in that box. That's the bit they're supposed to stay in. Very few of them ever stay in. So maybe is the solution to this just putting them on a leash and having a steak of wood like you would with the dog? Yeah. Just there, so they can't physically get on the pitch. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Or um, electrified little electrified fence. Around <laughs> <the fire>. um, <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? Oh, thanks, Mike. Thanks very much for that, for calling us. Maybe we get uh, Donald Trump in to do that. He's into walls. Yeah, build a wall. In fact, get the opposition to build a wall. Yeah, just around it. There we go. <laughs> um, you know, you were saying about... Oh, what? Well, I, now, Michael, I was talking to him before. Right. Um, before we, we started the show. In the podcast that's attached to this show, let's get him back because we didn't get to a... He used to work at City and it's a really brilliant job he used really? to Really? What, what did he do? Not telling you. Let's find... I'll, oh, I'll, okay. I'll tell you. We'll call him back after him and do it in the podcast. Uh, that's the podcast. If you've not listened to the podcast yet, the Manchester football, football Social, you just have to search for it wherever you get your podcast from usually. And the specific ones as well. So if you want one that's just all about Man City, it's the Manchester City Football Social. And if you want one that's just all about Alex Boardman, it's the Manchester United <laughs> I'm Football not on Social. It. I'm <laughs> not on it that much. Don't worry. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it is a decent thing. Now, we were talking about, have, we've, have we got that clip from Match of the Day of Danny Murphy? Yeah, so this was last night after, and I don't know if you saw it or not, but Liverpool were, were fairly lucky, and this is what Danny Murphy had to say afterwards. Today was the day. Yeah. I've actually really, I've, I've completely gone in now, I believe. They're going to do it. No, I be- I've been like that, you know, yeah. the, the kind of bit of a test, down at half-time, that kind of thing. I'm thinking the last minute against Everton, the, the bit of luck with the deflections today, you know, that things are going Liverpool's way and they've only got, I say only, Spurs and Chelsea at home, who you'd fancy them to beat, United and Everton away. They're the tricky ones and I, th- I think with City's fixtures and Liverpool's fixtures, Liverpool are strong favourites. Don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs>
Ah, so there we go. Danny Murphy has spoken. Yeah. But you can see his point the way you can see his point. Well, and also the fact they didn't mention this, but the last five weeks, uh, Salah's got away with murder. He's been given penalties for absolutely nothing. Even in that game, he should have been booked for the an abysmal dive. Compare and contrast, and I don't like sticking up for City, but Sterling was fouled today, and it was one of the most cast iron penalties I've ever seen. Yeah. Not given. Yeah, that was at 1 0 in the first half. It was at 0 0. It was at 0 0. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was before. It was before the goal. So it's things like that that you kind of go. And the thing was, so in the past, Sterling's been accused of going down easy. He did not go down easy there because that was a full bloody challenge that went in on it. It was a foul. And whatever way you looked at it, it just happened to be. Well, there was one angle where it looked like he actually contacted the ball, so possibly that's what the referee saw. However, Sterling managed to get a goal later and make it all right. But what Salah has been doing, I'm starting to go off him. He's not quite at Neymar level. No, but, but he's, he's getting really bad, isn't it? And yeah. it's the theatricalness, theatricality, whatever the word is. He's just going down like he's been shot every time. Yeah, and it's almost like um, one of those really bouncy balls that you get. You know, you just touch it and go... Yeah, it just explodes everywhere and it's, it's annoying. Anyway, enough of talking about rubbish teams like Liverpool and City. Let's talk about a proper team. What, like United, Bolton Wanderers? United, we're Bo- I don't mind Bolton Wanderers. United played yesterday... Um, at home to Brighton. On the line, we've got Mick, who was at the game. Are you there, Mick? I'm here, yeah. How are you, mate? You all right, I'm mate? brilliant, yeah. Thanks for thanks for calling. Um, yeah. did, what was it like yesterday? The atmosphere, I presume, was brilliant again? Yeah, the atmosphere is... It, yeah, the atmosphere, is, it, of course, is a hell of a lot better. Uh, yeah, it's different. It's just, it just feels... Just the club feels different. Everybody just seems happier. It's a big difference. And on the pitch, it looks like you're playing the way United used to play. And this is me speaking as a City fan. I'm actually enjoying seeing you on the match of the day again. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, well, I thought, I thought we were for about 70 minutes. And then the last 20 minutes, I, I don't know, we looked tired yesterday. We looked, uh, Rashford looked shot. Um, and uh, we, we sort of hung on a bit, I think, for the last, particularly the last 10 minutes. But we deserved the win. Some of the football we played in the first 70 minutes was fantastic, but uh, but yeah, for about the last 20 minutes we looked tired. I don't know if that's a fitness thing or not. Yeah, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's the emotion, some of the younger players possibly. So I didn't go yesterday, but I did, it, it, I did catch it, I, I watched it, let's say somehow miraculously I managed to see a lot of the game after I finished work uh, on oh, a television. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it felt to me a bit like the Everton game where we dominated and you're like, oh, we could have been 5-6-0 up. And then yeah. they came back. Were you at any point, because that defence is still the same defence that we've had all season, were you at any point thinking, this is the streak over, this is going to be, you know, a draw? No, sort of, sort of. I mean, because Brian are a well-drilled unit, aren't they? They're big. I didn't realise how big they are. They're, they're a massive side. They've got some, they've got some giants of players. But you talk about defence, I have to give credit, and I think he's been fantastic for the last... Uh, seven or eight games Lindelof is superb yeah he's turning into a, a brilliant centre half uh, he, his reading of the game and his passing as well his passing from centre half positions was fantastic yeah um, he, was it Podbury set up in the first half or was it uh, Rashford somebody went through and it was a brilliant chip yeah. ball that's right yeah that's right yeah it's fantastic and he's also getting mouthy at the back I mean Ashley Young was a captain but you can see Lindelof at one point was screaming at him giving him abuse over yeah. uh, some decision making yeah that Ashley Young well, he was at fault anyway Young uh, he well kept that, letting uh, the, go on that's, well that's kind of what we've needed at the back because no one I mean he's chopped and changed quite a bit all season and Lindelof probably now he's got to be the number one defender surely you'd think you'd think so yeah yeah get a good centre half alongside him and Phil Jones Phil Jones was dead he's what usual thing well, what conceded a goal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I feel I feel sorry for him. He's a type. He's a type of play. You know, if, if somebody if somebody came out in the press tomorrow, like mystery Premiership footballer becomes the only person to lose a toe while scuba diving, you'd just think, guys, oh, Phil Jones, that in it. You always know, um, yeah. <laughs> he's like a, he's a, well, he's just, he, I don't know, when he first came through, I thought he was going to be fantastic, but surely, surely, we've, there must be better players than that. I think Smalling's nearly fit again. Yeah, I, listen, I like, I like Jones, but I think he's, I think he's just unlucky. He's unlucky. I think he's one of the unluckiest players I've seen. Um, I think the funniest thing of the game yesterday was the uh, stadium announcer. Is he called Alan, Alan Keegan, is he called? Yeah, I know you uh, mean the bald dude, yeah. Yeah, you know the dude, the announcement, uh, 
so he said we have no uh, no homophobic chanting or racist chanting or well he was trying to say discriminatory and uh, he clearly <laughs> couldn't he clearly couldn't say it and the mic kept getting quieter so he said yeah so there is a you're anything uh, uh, any abusive or discriminatory and the mic got really low <laughs> and came back on again <laughs> Well, the job as announcer for Oldham was up last week. They, yeah, they need that. a new stadium announcer, so maybe um, maybe United could do one as well. Would you be up for that job if you were given the chance? Would you do it? Oh, of course, yeah. All right, well, here's the test. As well, yeah, I'd, I'd do what they're doing. Like, is it in Turkey as well, where they come on do well, games on and offer comments on that he's not very good no so all in all then yesterday united it's seven on the bounce now for Solskjaer which is bit you know it's almost unheard of definitely not in united history as it's been done at what point does do we is he does he get to 10 in the row and the job says is the job already his do we wait to see if he has to win a trophy at the end of this he's still in the fa cup still in the champions league at what point that's going to be a great game on friday where it's a a proper fa cup tie i think that i think that'll tell us a lot of where we are at the minute because arsenal were fantastic for start yesterday and chelsea i don't know if you saw it yeah um uh I don't know. I, I think I think we've, I, I, I think what's happening with Chelsea is we've got a sniff of the top four, and uh, and I think if he makes top four, they've got to give him the job. Yeah, they ha- I, I agree. Well, they, we're now three points behind Chelsea. Yeah, um, and yeah. we were. I think we were eleven points behind when Solskjaer yeah. took over. This is yeah. another little stat that I've got. Mourinho had seventeen games this season in the league and won seven of them. Solskjaer's had six and won six. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's already a million times better. Absolutely. Well, well, yeah, it is. It's a million times better. And you know what? And some of them fixtures under Mourinho, we probably would have won, but we'd have made hard work of it. I mean, I, I, you get a feeling Mourinho uh, yeah, under Mourinho yesterday that would have been a hard work one-all draw or something. You know? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah the, yeah, the negativity's gone from the team straight away. That's the main thing. Well, I remember just a dreary nil-nil with Powers that was just awful to watch, and there was one with Valencia that was just abysmal. And also, don't oh, forget the Valencia, Brighton. The Valencia game was awful. Oh, it was, it was it was awful. One of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah, and Brighton earlier on the season, probably the third, yeah. fourth game of the season, one of the worst United performances I've ever seen yeah. was was three-two, and we're really yeah, lucky to get that second goal, which well, would have yeah, been three-one. It flattered us out in the three-two. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Can I just ask you, Mick, is is the lack of negativity, is that enough? Because is that all you need to be a good manager these days, is just create a nice, warm, fluffy atmosphere, make people feel good. We've seen it, and it seems to be working. Pogba's going out, he's playing great. Rashford is on fire. Um, But, as you say, you've still got the same defence that you had before, which is causing the problems. Is just those defenders feeling good and having a cuddle or whatever it is that Ollie's giving them, is that going to be enough for United? I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's giving him a cuddle, is he? I mean, we're going to find out now. I mean, if things are things go wrong, we've got to find out where he's got a nasty streak in him, haven't we? That's the. I think that's that's when you find out what good, when a manager is a good manager, is when they can drop a player or give somebody a you know a bollocking, but behind closed doors, probably. I mean, I, I like Sal. He looks calm as well. He makes me laugh when he's sat on the when he sat on the dugout. He looks like a nana. Yeah, he looks like he's got a pocket full of sweets all the time. <laughs> yeah, he does. He, he, he's a lot calmer than uh, Mourinho anyway. That is, that, that's 100% for and sure. he seems to be including the coaching staff as well. I mean, you know, yeah. they're, always, they're always in conversation. They're always chatting amongst each other. And, uh, even Carrick's demeanour's improved. Well, Carrick's jumping oh, about like he never even did as a footballer. He's very animated. <laughs> exactly, but he looked, he looked like a real miserable sod. Sat next to Mourinho, yeah, he looked, he looked like his world was falling apart. Um, so yeah, I, listen, I've, we're playing well, and I think when we finish fourth, he'll he'll get the job. And 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 I, I'm like every United. I mean, it's the first time I've spoke to you on your show. Like every United fan, it it hurts me to say it, but I hope City win the title. Yeah, me too. It's awful. I have to whisper it. Feel, you feel lovely, man. You're a lovely, lovely, lovely man. It's nothing to do with you. It's the worst of two evils. That's what it is. Nothing to do with City. It's, it's the lesser of two evils. That's how we keep putting it. It's just, oh, I just, I couldn't, oh, it'd be awful, wouldn't it, for it? Yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah, awful. Oh, absolutely awful. Still, awful. still a couple of games to go before we know. Mick, thanks very much for giving us a call. No worries, mate. Thanks. 
Now, there we go. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, just like Mick did as well, uh, 0345-111-7625 or at MCR Footy Social. Uh, you mentioned the Oldham Stadium announcer. We're going to talk about Oldham and the rumours linking Paul Scholes to that vacant managerial post next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Uh, good evening. It is Sunday. Uh, the Manchester Football Social here with myself, Ant McGinley, and Alex Boardman. Big scores from today: City winning three nil away to Huddersfield. Yes, which puts them four points behind Liverpool, who also won yesterday four three. Tottenham got a last minute winner against Fulham. They're in third on fifty one points. Chelsea got beaten by got beat by Arsenal. Um, 2-0 yesterday so Chelsea are in 4th on 47 and unimaginably unbelievably 6 or 7 games ago when United were absolutely dead and buried miles behind everyone United are in 6 currently tied on points with Arsenal on 44 only 3 points now behind Champions League spot and behind Chelsea in 4th it's the Ollie effect if you want to come on and chat about that 0345 111 76 25 whatever your club whatever your colour give us a call or you can follow us on social media at MCR Footy Social and speaking of social media uh, Niall's joined us in the room hello hello Hello, hello, hello. And uh, we've just seen a very interesting story on there, haven't you? Yeah, we have. I- I'm, I'm also slightly buzzing that we've just reached a thousand Twitter followers. So if you are listening, go over to Twitter at MCR Footy Social, drop us a follow. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a person on Twitter called Jilly Panda who tweeted this uh, earlier today. Is there a kids football coach out there who has had their car broken into overnight in the Hale Altrincham area and all of their equipment stolen? I found it all and it's safely at my house. There's nothing in there to identify the team, but I'm pretty sure it's a kids side. So if there are any football coaches out there that happen to have a, had their car smashed up and their football stuff stolen, then uh, this person on Twitter, Jilly Panda has uh, has all the all the stuff so we w- we're trying to get a hold of her and see if she can come on and explain yeah. if if you are all of a sudden uh, wondering where your football kit is then yeah. it's, it's at this person's house we'll retweet that uh, so follow at MCR Footy Social you can see the details there or you can give us a call 0345 one seventy six twenty five. and the person who answers the phone when you do that is Niall so you better get back out there and, no, and take the rush out there Julie right. <laughs> Panda I wonder yeah. if she's a real panda yeah what, like Kung Fu Panda yeah that'd be, be cool you, you wouldn't be able to tell on the phone though would you <laughs> no no unless we did a Skype call but then that wouldn't really work <laughs> alright so there's lots to talk about as you say, those big results. But one of the interesting stories, and and I think it's more prevalent now with the success that Solskjaer is having at United, is these rumours that we keep hearing linking Paul Scholes to the vacant manager's job at Oldham. I know, I know. He is an Oldham fan. Um, He's supported Oldham as a boy. His favourite footballer, I remember reading in like one of the United programmes, you know, when they do the player profiles, um, he said his favourite ever football was Frankie Bunn who used to be a centre-forward for Oldham and famously scored five goals in one game. Um, so these rumours existed for three, four years. He's going to retire, he's going to play for Oldham, he's going to manage him. Is it true? Could it possibly well, he, be? I mean, he, he's still got the appetite. He was still playing for, was it Chatterton? He, was he played for, for Chaddy Park Juniors, yeah. I know that, a couple of years ago. And then he turned out for a non-league side, possibly Ashton. That was only like six months ago. Uh, well, somebody who can possibly cast some light onto this is Andy Yates. Hello, Andy. Hi, guys. You okay? Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much for joining us. So, uh, I, we're hearing rumours that something might be announced today. It might be announced tomorrow. Have you got any exclusives for us? Uh, only rumours that I've heard over the weekend from people who were at the game. Um, but he was there, apparently. Uh, he was there with Nicky Butt, from all accounts. Um, Nicky Butt, obviously, ahead of the academy at um, United still. So maybe a good chance there of uh, some players. So maybe they were a little uh, scouting mission together. Right. So do you, th- like. do you think that the, he's, he's potentially got what it takes? Because obviously he's the, the similar generation to, to Solskjaer. Um, but also a similar generation to Keane, who hasn't had such success in management. Uh, I think he has. Uh, you've got to be giving your chance somewhere. I think I've thrown Gerard and Lampard in the same mix at the same time. Look at the success there. I think obviously, they've got a bit more backing behind them. But you know, I don't think they. I think they had the doubters, and uh, you know, Lampard doing well in the Championship, and Gerard, look what he's done with Rangers. Yeah, Lampard's, Lampard's smashing it at a derby. And uh, to be fair, I didn't. 
really predict Gerard being. I, did, I just was amazed. I can't, I can't believe the job he's done there. It's, but I wonder about Scholes' temperament, though, because, I mean, he's been very critical in the last five years, for instance, of Van Gaal and Mourinho. And also, he was like a genius. So will he, will he be able to step down and accept, like, lesser players, no offence to them, being, you know, making mistakes? I think uh, anyone who knows Scholes, uh, and I don't know him, Probably I've met him once or twice, but he's an Oldham lad. He's a local lad. He lives in Saddleworth. Um, he's humble. He's, you know, he's right down to his roots. He's not. He's not stuck up or anything like that. Um, you know, when I seen him driving around once, he, all right, he was in his. I think he was Porsche, but he had a broken headlight. You know, he's, he's not bothered. He just gets on with his life. Yeah. Um, but what he will bring, he'll bring standards, and he will only accept a certain way of being. If he, if he is going to get the job, that is. But Gerard and, and Lampard would be the same. You know, they've just got a certain way they did things, and skulls I'd put above them too, in the way he held himself, how he kept himself quiet out the limelight. Maybe that's what we need at Oldham, someone to just really get in and, and have the lads looking up to him. Could be. And also, I mean, it's possibly it's a well-known fact, maybe if you're one of our younger listeners, you don't know, but he... Um, he- Scholes was at Boundary Park Genius, wasn't he, with Nicky Butt, with Gary Neville, with Phil Neville, David May, I think, was a couple of years older. So they were there from the age of about 11, 12, is that, is that right? Yeah, and I mean, you see him sat in the, uh, you see him sat in the crowd, you know, I remember all, all, all growing up, you know, Paul Scholes at the height of his players, when he was playing for Man United, Champions League, you know, best player in the world, best midfielder, and he sat in the chaddy end with his, with his two, I think the two lads, or bobble hats on, just you know, not no fuss, no no executive boxes, nothing like that. Just sat watching the club he loves. So he's deep rooted. He was deep rooted with Frankie Bunn as well. So um, and you could tell that with Frankie Bunn the way he, he, he punched his, uh, he grabbed the badge and punched his chest after every win. Um, so you, you know, Skulls will bring that no matter what. Um, and I'm sure he's got higher designs than, than managing Oldham as well. So. And what kind, what kind of situation is he going into? Because uh, for people that aren't following Oldham closely, they'll know that they had that great win in the FA Cup uh, with the caretaker manager that was in a couple of weeks ago. But how's the rest of the season? What's the what's the status of the club financially at the moment? Is it a good job to come into? Um, it's a really tough question without trying not to be too tongue-in-cheek and laugh about it. It's, it does seem a little bit of a circus. Um, the way it's being run at the moment, if from an out, you know, when you're looking outside and you don't know what's going on, no one knows uh, how the how the owners really look doing things. But it does look a bit different, and there's a lot of media reports and players that are leaving that aren't happy with how he's running the club. But you know, the, the same people that weren't happy now weren't happy before. So financially, I don't think the club is doing too well. You know, there's a lot of stories about us not paying players on time, staff which I know are true because I know people who work for the club and they've not been paid uh, in the past. Seems like they're through that now. Um, job-wise, it's a good job to go into, potentially. You know, they're only, um, what, four or five points outside the playoffs. Um, transfer, transfer window still open. All right, they might not have any money, but Paul Scholes, contacts, Nicky Butt. You know, look what uh, Gerard did with Defoe. You yeah, know, exactly. That's, that's just his old mate, and he's come in and uh, I haven't checked out the result was today, but they had a, a friendly, which I'm pretty sure was arranged just to give uh, Defoe a game. So it's, it's, who knows? Who yeah. knows what the sort of players and also Nicky Butt with his with his youth team connections at Old Trafford, you might be able to get a few of them in, give him some real like yeah. game experience. I think that'll definitely be the plan, and, and if, you, if, you, if Scholes wants to get it, I would imagine he, that he's, he's given assurances that that would be the case. It won't be to the pleasing of all Oldham fans, obviously there's a bit of rivalry there that lingers on from the past, um, from various games that I'm not going to mention. <laughs> um, but, you know, we don't want to turn into Man United reserves. Um, you know, um, and he'll, he'll put bums on seats and might get a few a few extra in the in the gate who want to come and see how he does um, see how he does so it's there's definitely a good move that I'd be up for um, but yeah, I don't know people want people want experienced managers but if I mean if you think of our recent managers it had Bun hadn't really any management experience uh, Ricky Wellings who, who picked Skulls for the job last time well documented that Skulls applied for it last year didn't get it because Wellings himself said uh, Skulls said that Wellings was doing a good job um, Darren Kelly before that David Dunn um, 
even Lee Johnson, I don't think he was a manager before he came to Oldham. So you've got to, you've got to start. People forget where we are. We're at the bottom. We're at the bottom league. We've, you know, we've got to take, give people chances. And rather than giving, with all respect to Richie Wellings, Kelly, Dunn, their, their chance, why not give it a guy who's widely regarded as being the best midfielder in the world in his time? Andy, I'm sure if uh, that news does happen and it does break, you can probably recommend a good place to go and read about it first. What would that be? To go and read about it? Um, I would oh, say... Uh, a football, football Man Cave? cave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Good work. Okay, which, which you write for as well. Thanks very much for coming in and telling us all about that. And uh, let's let's see, we'll probably get you back on maybe, uh, maybe on tomorrow's show with Jim if it happens, all right? Yeah, that'd be an absolute pleasure. I should put you right as well. Frankie Bunn scored six in one match. Oh, is he six? Oh. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Against Scarborough. Against Scarborough in the League Cup, and I'm sure uh, it gets mentioned a lot, but you'll have a lot of Bolden fans that would have been... Uh, right. Out when he, uh, yeah, well, it's these United fans. You can't Apolo- trust them. Any chance to get to wind you up. Apologies, Andy. Apologies. <laughs> Still a record today. All right, Andy. Thank, thank you very man. much. No problem at all. Thanks well, a lot, gents. There we go. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. And if anything breaks, now we'll come running in, screaming, waving his arms, and tell us what's just happened. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, 0345 uh, 1, uh, is the number if you want to get in touch. Interesting that he's just mentioned about um, Stephen Gerrard there and how he's been doing. Hmm. Uh, let's go to Scotland now and speak to John. Hello, John. Hi, Anne. How's it going? It's going very well. Now, you uh, you work for a couple of podcasts. You do Trampled Bat, you do Trampled Bet. But interestingly enough as well, you're also uh, training to be a, a coach yourself. And yes. um, you're, you're a big Rangers fan, is that right? Yes, I am. From former sons just now, yeah, but it's getting a wee bit better. So the interesting thing, we were talking about just earlier about... Uh, obviously, the effect that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is having at United, and just wondering, like, is it just that he's making people feel good, or has he got really got the skills? Because his management experience before it was questionable. Now you've got somebody there with arguably no manager managerial experience in Steven Gerrard, and yet for the first time in a while, you're up there with Celtic again. Yes, we are. I think there's a, there's, there's, I think the Gerrard thing's different. I think it's different in England. I think somebody like Stephen Gerrard comes up to Scotland to manage Rangers. It changes the whole league for Rangers, especially. Whereas down in England, that the, the players start multi-millionaire footballers. Um, we're going to be a bit more modest up here. So if Stephen Gerrard comes in and for like tells a midfielder what he expects of him, I think a Scottish Premier League midfielder is going to listen to Stephen Gerrard. Yeah, exactly. We're go- He's probably going to be. We were just talking about um, with Andy about Paul Scholes going to Oldham, which is arguably not anywhere near the level of Rangers. So presumably that same thing would still apply. Did um, so the Rangers beat Celtic one nil, didn't they? Uh, yeah, re- recently. Now yeah. is is that pretty much like had he got beaten? Then possibly the tide would have turned. But does that mean for the rest of the season, whatever happens? He's totally in. Everybody loves Gerard. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all you need to do is go and look at Rangers fans week to week on Twitter and you'll see that it's the, it's the most fickle of football clubs. Uh, the fan base is the same. You kind of get the same opinion or somebody two weeks running. So it does just depend on what he's doing. But obviously the, the old firm was a huge result. If, if we hadn't got anything out of that, I think it would have been bizarrely as it sounds up in Scotland that had been the title done um, so that was like a huge result but it's been typical of Rangers it's, we've had two good results just before we've had a break so we got like a wee two week winter break up here and before it was a good result after an international break it just feels like whenever we get ahead of steam it's kind of slowed down but with the break we've had this time we've obviously had before been signed and Stephen Davis been signed so it's actually been pretty huge two weeks off for us and do you think Defoe can still perform and deliver something for you? Because he's, what, 37 now, is he? I, I thought he was older, even. I thought he was older than that. Do you, do you think he can deliver? I'm sure he can. Yeah, oh, yes, yes, 100%. 100%. We had, we had Clint Hill up here two years ago, and he was our standout player for the last year. And he was a 38 at the time. And we had Kenny Miller last year, so <laughs> they're not quite the calibre of Julian Defoe. So I'm sure he'll have no problem. So it's kind of an alternative retirement home to uh, China at the moment, a slightly cheaper one. <laughs> slightly colder yeah. one as well. Aye, <laughs> uh, uh, like a, a slightly challenging MLS. That's probably it. And so I, I want to ask you, because you're currently doing your UEFA Licence B, is that right? That's correct, yes. Yeah. I think that's the equivalent of the FA2. Right, and you're because you coach for Cumbernauld Colts at the minute, don't you? 
Yeah, under 17s, yeah. Right, and how, how's your season going with them? So so up and down. We won in the we're through to the quarters of the cup, so that was quite a that was quite a nice wee day yesterday. But yeah, it's up and down. We were playing the top league for the under seventeens in uh, Glasgow, Coastside and Cumbernauld, so it's quite it's quite a good level actually. Like cause, I mean, Rangers and Celtics don't really start competing until they're like fourteen, fifteen. Sure. So you've, you kind of get the best of the local talent up until that point. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, John, was because we've been talking a lot, as you can imagine down here, uh, about um, Solskjaer and United and what he's been doing there. And there's been a lot of criticism uh, about, like, is he actually is he actually doing anything different? Is he just making the players feel good? And so it's just nice to be able to speak to somebody who has that experience in coaching to say, like, is it as simple as just making the people the players feel good about themselves. How much of that is the job now and how much of it is the tactical now and that side of it? Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting because you do have like a, you have an idea of what it might have been like and I think a few people have uh, when Mourinho's been in charge of teams. So it like, seems like this perception that it seems like a horrible place to work all the time. So I think for Solskjaer come in, it probably is just a wee bit about that. But obviously down at my level where you're dealing with, I mean, under 17 is the oldest I've dealt with. So I think when you're dealing with maybe 13, 14, 15, it's actually key that you've got some coaching ability and some coaching knowledge. But I think when you're getting to the stage where you're dealing with Paul Pogba, Marcus Rashford, that it's really just making sure they enjoy being there. Like Pogba looks a different player from the outside. He does. Uh, Marcus Rashford looks completely different. And he was a weird one. Like up here, for any time I've watched Man United, I've thought for two years now, Rashford's been the standout all the time. I could never understand why it always seemed like he was first subbed when it wasn't going right, or he was first on if he'd already been on the bench. It was no really. I think a player knew that if he'd won bad performance under Mino, he was subbed. Whereas I think with Solskjaer, there's maybe a wee bit of confidence that they'll get a run of games. Like I think, I think it's also important to bring in people that assist. Sometimes get slagged up when you're when you're up in Scotland and you use these kind of terms as local people or. The club, type of club's men, so they've obviously brought in Solskjaer as manager, Carrick's there, you've got feeling there, but then he's got Lingard, Rashford, Pogba, I know he's French, but Pogba's a man new boy, he was there when he was young, you've got Ashley Young who was still there from the, the Ferguson era, to see all these kind of players that have been in, they are man, Manchester boys, and I think that does make a huge difference, and just the aura of Solskjaer scoring that goal, like I've seen Rashford put up a couple of like, jokey tweets about him talking about that goal and I think for a player like Rashford he's his hero one of his heroes probably what? that's now in charge of him well, you say about bringing back that old vibe and that flavour of United, you know, they did have a very successful Scottish manager for a while, so when you get your licence, <laughs> will, will that be available <laughs> by August? Yeah, from Rangers as well. Is that, um, is that David Moyes you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, thanks very much. If, if, people want to check out, if people want to check out the podcast, what do they have to look for? Uh, at Trample Bet, it's on all uh, good bookstore type podcast areas. All right, thank you very much, John, and it's very thorough as well. If you uh, if you get the chance to listen to that, uh, go and check it out. Right, uh, you are listening to the Manchester Football Social. We're available as a podcast right now as well. So if you're listening, you've just caught this for five minutes on the radio, and you're thinking, "Oh, that's very interesting," but I've got to go out and go and do something. You can catch the whole show plus extra uh, by looking bonus for- content. <laughs> yes, uh, it's like on the DVD Easter eggs they used to call it. Uh, go to uh, wherever you get podcasts from and look for the Manchester Football social and uh, you've got a little game to play with one of our callers from earlier speaking of games uh, we're going to do something uh, next on the Manchester Football Social Manchester Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show Manchester Football Social Good evening, it's uh, Sunday, thank you for joining us here. Of course, it may not be Sunday if you're listening on the podcast, but uh, check that out, just search for Manchester Football Social, wherever you get your podcasts from. Nonetheless, here are your scores and headlines from today. Yeah, headlines from today, Liverpool's still top of the league, four points clear of City. Liverpool beat Palace 4-3 yesterday, City played today, beat Huddersfield quite comfortably 3-0. Tottenham got a last-minute winner to beat Fulham 2-1, which keeps them in third. Um, United beat Brighton 2-1 and Arsenal beat 
beat Chelsea 2-0. United 6, Arsenal 5th, both on 44 points. But the main news, I suppose, of the day, Chelsea going down yesterday to Arsenal means that United are only three points behind them and in the fourth place, their Champions League spot. Yeah, and uh, good odds on uh, Solskjaer lifting a trophy for United this season as well. Maybe not the Champions League, but I've seen a lot of chat about him and the FA Cup. Speaking of odds, uh, Niall's joining us for this last bit and uh, interesting statistic from today's City game. Yeah, not such great odds um, if you're a Huddersfield fan. Of course, they're looking very, very... Uh, unlikely to stay up but they were 16 to 1 to win their home game against City today that is the biggest odds ever in Premier League history for a home team to win a game 16 to 1 now that's a depressing you know I think I found a solution to that game because I was watching it around at Alex's before we came in and uh, I, I don't know if you were watching it have you seen the Huddersfield recently but their mascot was squatting behind while City was taking a corner he's a beast I, I think it's Adi Akinbayi underneath there as it's well terrifying yeah. yeah he's like one of those um, I don't know if you've ever seen early bungle from Rainbow but he's like this <laughs> sort of horror <laughs> character thing, yeah. just this giant thing because we were both watching him we I think City got a corner weren't we and we saw this terrier and he just appeared and we both went huh, like that one yeah. it's, it's like a fat Chewbacca it's really really, really <laughs> scary did you, did you see as well Sky Sports zooming in on who they thought was going to be the next Huddersfield yeah, manager yeah, yeah. and he just happened to be some random geezer in the crowd who now has got loads of people tweeting him saying you're on telly for ages. Uh, another story which I love uh, from the last couple of days you might have seen this uh, about the Fulham players fighting each other uh, this is Mitrovic and Camera. and the, the funniest thing about this for me is the fight broke out while they were having a group yoga meditation session <laughs> <laughs> apparently what happened uh, was uh, Camera interrupted was talking loudly Mitrovic told him to shut up and apparently blows were exchanged but this made me think this is not the first time this has happened where teammates have come to blows. Sometimes it's happened in training. Sometimes it's happened on pitches. Yeah. Right? So I'm going to give you a few scenarios here, some situations that happened. See if you can identify. You're playing up against each other. Are you ready for this? Do you think you can do it? Yes. Right. Shake hands with Niall. <laughs> all right, let's see how we do with this. So first of all, we're going up north a little from Manchester uh, to Preston. Three years ago, Beckford and Doyle. Sounds a bit like a detective mm. show. Uh, Preston were chasing a late equaliser against uh, Sheffield Wednesday. We were down to 10 men. Uh, Jermaine Beckford got upset when his fellow striker, Ewan Doyle, didn't pass him the ball. So they had a fight yeah. on the pitch. Both got sent off and Preston lost 2-1. Uh, they fined the players, but what did the club do with the money? Alex. They gave it to a shelter for... I'd set up a boxing club. They gave it to a local boxing club. Okay, what you say, Niall? I reckon they reimbursed the supporters that went to, to the game. Was it a home game? If it's a home game, I'm completely wrong. <laughs> if it's an away game, then there's a chance of me being right. So I'm saying that the club used the money to reimburse supporters or buy them a pint or something. That is absolutely yes. spot on. Yeah, uh, the, the uh, sports that travelled to Hillsborough had their tickets refunded from the fines issued. All right. Mm. Let's Do you know what? This is like, I feel like Huddersfield here. I should be 16 to 1 to win this against a professional sports journalist. <laughs> well, I feel right. like Fulham because I'm 1 0 up, but inevitably I am going to lose 2 1 right at the death. <laughs> All right, let's have this one. Uh, Nicholas Bentner and Emmanuel Adebayor had a fight on the pitch uh, while that losing 4 1 to Tottenham. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what was it that started the whole thing? And I'm going to give you a clue. It's something I've done at your house, Alex. Niall, your first thing. What started the bad blood between them? It's so, They both had suspect haircuts in the past. Terrible dodgy barnets. I'm going to say that there's some, something to do with the fact that they've, uh, they had a go at each other because of the way they dressed or the way they looked. Okay, Alex, what are you saying? I'm just trying to think of all the stuff you've done in our house recently. <laughs> Is it something to do with like a, a vegan burger? Is it to do with, like, not paying for a vegan burger? It's it's neither. It's, in fact, that was such a bad guess. The oh, bad right. guess noise doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, what actually happened was, and this came out a few years later, Adebayo explained it in an interview, it was because Bentner refused to take his shoes off oh, indoors. Right. There's a real saying that you can't come into the dressing room with your house shoes. Bentner never took them off and things started from there. I cannot accept that. Even if that happened tomorrow at a new club, 
I would fight with somebody. Right, fair enough. And can I just say, I do not insist people take the shoes off when they come to our house. <laughs> you just did that of your own accord. Oh, okay, all right. I then. do, but I, I put my slippers on. Did you, have a fight, did you have a fight about it? No, <laughs> we might have to. <laughs> all right, here's your last one. Time for one more, I think. Uh, multiple choice this time. Is that an Ibrahimovic? Did he A, threaten to break Raphael van der Vaart's legs while at Ajax? Did he B... <laughs> Punch Juventus teammate Jonathan Zabina in the face, or C, did he headbutt a Gucci on Iwayu at AC Milan? Oh, Zlatan's a black belt and he's yeah. hard. I would not want to fight him. Um, I wouldn't, she wouldn't shot me if he's done all of those. I'm, I, I vaguely remember something about saying that he's going to snap Van der Vaart's legs. So I'm going to go with that. Are you going to go with that? I, I think your first guess at doing all of them is probably most likely. I'll go with the butt at Milan. But in fact, no, I'm going to go with all of them. I'm all of right, them. yes. Oh, <laughs> right. Basically, that was an own goal. That was like a, yeah. a Liverpool equaliser for me. Yeah. Basically, if you haven't been assaulted by Zlatan, have you ever been in the same yeah. team as him? Oh, my God. There's a great bit. You know, he's just had that book out. If you've not had the chance to read it yet, check it out. In the book, he talks about the fight at AC Milan. He says, I headbutted him and we flew at each other. We wanted to to tear each other limb from limb it was brutal we were rolling around punching and kneeing each other we were crazy and furious <laughs> it was like life and death oh my gosh <laughs> I reckon that would be a good bet to see in Game of Thrones right that's it for today thanks very much for joining us nice one uh, we're going to do some more of those on the podcast as well and also we've got that extra thing we're going to call yeah, back and a, find out a, yep. that little thing that you've got lined up for me and the Manchester Football Social is here throughout the week between 6 and 7 at Jim Dave and Steve are here tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Well, thanks for downloading the podcast. Uh, earlier on in the show, we spoke to Mike, um, who was the City fan, and I found out before the show that he actually used to work for City in quite an unusual capacity. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. You don't know this, do you? So we gave him a call back, um, and well, basically I just asked him the question, Mike... What did you used to do at City? Work being an interesting way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, you got um, to watch the matches for free. That's true. Yes. And what... Missed, what? Out, missed out periods of the games, because uh, just before I before half-time, I had to sort of scuttle away right. and get changed. Oh, were you, were you then, working uh, in the kitchens, maybe, like, getting the meat pies ready? Is that what you are doing? I went, I went through the kitchens, but I didn't work in the kitchens. No, no. So who were you there? I know, I know Ant doesn't, I've not told him. Who, uh, who were you at, at I City? I was doing a guessing game, that's why I was playing. Oh, no, no, I, I, I... wasn't being coy. No, no, I know, I know, he doesn't, he's, he's still no idea who you were. Oh, okay. Uh, I used to be Moonchester. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah. I, I think we've had our photo together, right? I know oh, that, brilliant. The, More the, than likely. The hilarious thing was, what, that when I got that done, Raheem Sterling, it was a game Raheem wasn't playing in. Uh, I don't know how long ago you were doing this, but Raheem... Oh, oh okay. Right. So th this this is the last season, basically. And I saw Moonchester, went and had my photo taken with him. Unbeknownst to me, Raheem was just in and he was walking along the crowd just saying hello to people and shaking hands, doing autographs. Completely missed that. Because I was there going, hey, look, I've got my picture of Moonchester. And actually, in the background of it, you can see Raheem just doing like autographs and stuff. Missed it. Well, so the, we've got the official Moonchester on. So did, yeah, unbelievable. I, I didn't used to be able to speak, so in, in my capacity as Moonchester, so this is nice to, uh, to, get, to have my voice heard. <laughs> so how, how did you do the job interview for that? Um, what you do is you know the dude who did it before, who's a foot shorter than you. Uh, <laughs> try and convince them that you're going to be great at it, uh, and then uh, yeah, Bob's your uncle. They, uh, they had to get refitted for a new suit, a new head, all sorts of stuff. And because I'm quite a slender individual, uh, they got me a muscle suit. <laughs> so uh, in in the 2007-2008 Sven Joran Eriksson season. Moonchester looked buff and tall and uh, people were commenting on that so yeah they, they were the glory I, I was there before the money came in really right sort of if, you know the real money so came in do, anyway do you kind of regret leaving now because you could have been minted as Moonchester if you're still because he must um, be on a packet now oh yeah he'll have a, a house in Hale won't he definitely Moonchester <laughs> um, 
No, it was it was good, but it was after a season. You're like you're 28 years old. Um, you don't really want to be uh, doing this for too long. Uh, it was fantastic, but there were a lot of rules, and the, the groundsman didn't let you go on the pitch. He'd go he'd go spare at you if you went anywhere near the pitch. You weren't allowed down the tunnel. There's all sorts of wow. uh, restrictions, but it was amazing. Did you uh, did you ever have any um, did you ever have any like argy bargy with other teams' mascots? They did actually. They kept that quite. Uh, they, they were careful about that. The only time I ever got invited to an away game was uh, Bolton and uh, Lofty Lion, and he's an absolute joy of a person. He's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't many. Um, not even with Fred the Red. There's a couple of functions, but they're all dead nice. So I think it's in the Midlands. They have that problem, isn't it? They all go a bit mad in the Midlands. Uh, they're, they're mascots because they all hate each other. Yeah, the yeah. Swansea one. I think the Swansea ones are right naughty boy. Yeah, so, he has a go uh, at the Cardiff no. one, doesn't he? I've seen them. Yeah. Fight. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, when we had the derby, they wouldn't let me anywhere near the away fans, which was a bit <laughs> disappointing. But <laughs> yeah. And did you did you have to like then find somebody then to pass the baton on to, or, or did you no, leave, leave I, in not no circumstances? Think, uh, you know what? This is really embarrassing. The way I left was I don't know if you remember when Sven left the club. There was you know some people were a little bit disappointed, and I re- I resigned in protest. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did, the principles of Manchester. Exactly, <laughs> Manchester will not stand for this sort of uh, <laughs> unsupported. But this is not this is not the, the city I grew up with. Uh, and it made absolutely no difference. And I, I want I want to get a message if anyone has. Spend contact details. I want him to know that I did that because I don't think he knows. So if anyone in the Philippines uh, has got his contact details, I think he, he'll, he'll be back home now because they got knocked out, didn't they? So, uh, the solidarity, brother. Solidarity. <laughs> exactly. If only he knew. <laughs> Michael, that is fantastic. Thank you so much. No problem. Enjoyed it. Good see, luck. see you again. See you, dude. See All you right. Later. Thanks, mate. Bye. 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 Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Right then, gentlemen, I've got a bit of a game for you. Over on our Twitter page at MCR Footy Social, we've been asking the Twitter followers who they would pick as their front two, their strike partnership, if City or United had a game tomorrow. It was the most important game in the club's history. Which two players from the past or present, as it may be, would you pick? So, Alex, we'll go with you first. Who are you picking as your front two? Right, OK. Well, looking at this, I never saw George Best play. So, I'll be foolish to pick him. Also, as I understood it, he was a winger. What are your options there, by the way? My options are Ronaldo, Reed van Nistelrooy, Mark Hughes, Marcus Rashford, Rooney, Solskjaer, Andy Cole, George Best, Cantona. Some some players there. There's yeah. quite a... Di- but it says, pick the front two who are going to score the most goals. So if it's going to pick... Is, is that in their present state and age right now? Well, you know, I'm still pretty sure that <laughs> I'm not most sure of them... i would be very good if you picked him now. <laughs> <laughs> He'd ghost past the defence. <laughs> yeah, most of them could still bang some of those goals in. I think they'd be all right. But, so I, I never saw best play, so I can't really pick George Best. Also, I think he's more of a winger, and I would play Ronaldo as a winger, because at United, he was always on the wing. So right and left wing interchangeable, I'll have mm. Ronaldo and... Best, but to answer the question, most goals without doubt of all those players, the most goals will be Ruud van Nistelrooy. Mm. Absolutely wonderful. And then if you're just going for straight up goals, you've got a choice between Solskjaer and Andy Cole. That it's just a straight choice if it's for goals. But if I was to pick my perfect front two out of those, I'd go for Ruud van Nistelrooy, who's one of the best goal scorers I've ever seen, and Cantona because it's just Cantona. It's just magic. Some some team. I'm going. I, I can't see how you can leave Ronaldo out. I know, like you said, he's a winger. I don't think he was but, never a centre forward oh, at Old Trafford. He was always a winger. He's the best player, one of the best players ever. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally, totally agree. But we're talking about a front two, so that's two centre forwards. The way I see Fair it. Enough. Yeah, Fair he could still be in the team somewhere else. You'd have him in. Yeah. You, I mean, let's face it. You play Ronaldo at right back if you had yeah, to, like in a FIFA team or something. Probably the same with George Best as well. So if you're older, you're probably listening to this and going, George Best every day of the week's better than all those combined. But for me, I would go for Reed van Nistelrooy to score the goals and Cantona to just do everything else and pretty much guarantee you're going to win the league every year he plays. I, oh, I tell you what, this, this this is tough because at one point or another, I think I've, I've had all of these as my favourite player. Yeah. Um, 
but I have to take it right back to the beginning. And and first up, straight away, it's got to be Nile, Big Nile, Big Nile, great Big, name. By he, the way. he he was the he was the one that that brought me to City. Mm. Even even growing up in Manchester, it was because of Nile, because of my family being Irish. That was yeah, sure. nineteen ninety World Cup. He was just stand out, a genuine idol. Oh God! Yeah. And it was you know when people say someone to look up to, I actually bumped into Nile Quinn once at King's Cross Station in London. It was the night that Peter Reid got sacked as Sunderland manager and Niall was involved with Sunderland mm. and was in London, he'd been doing some TV and was racing up to take over, to take over as caretaker manager. And this was all happening. I, I worked that out afterwards and I was literally going through King's Cross because I was living there at the time, not in, not in the station like Harry Potter. <laughs> and um, I, I bumped into him and, you know, you say, oh yeah, he's six foot four. But when you actually meet somebody who's that tall and somebody you've idolised as well, mm. I was like, well, and I didn't even speak to him, didn't even exchange. I just did that thing where you kind of, almost hit each other but do that kind of dance thing where you kind of go yeah, dancing, yeah, yeah. And, and then he was gone and I was like oh my god that was Niall Quinn wow that made my life real starstruck moment by the sounds of it yeah um, so so definitely Niall which is great but then that makes it even more difficult to get in because uh, so, so what it is is it's uh, something on our Twitter page at MCR Footy Social and what Ant's got there is a list of, of city legends and the task is he's only allowed to pick two strikers that, have, well, that will form the City Strike Force. If there was a game tomorrow, the biggest game of City's history. Like Doctor Who, who Time yeah, Lord. Game, who are you yeah. picking? One of them's Niall Quinn. That's yeah. nailed on. So, All right, so, so there's my other options from from the other eight, I've got to pick uh, one of Anelka, Dickoff, uh, Franny, the Goat, Tevez, Marsh, Rosler, and Sergio. And it's like, oh, so. And again, you kind of go, well, for, for sheer number of goals. It's not just as easy as that because um, Sergio, of course, in current form, the last couple of seasons, the amount of goals he scored. But then in terms of like history of the club and importance, mm. Gota's just as important in that goals, as well. He scored goals in a pretty terrible team, Gota, didn't he? So yeah. fair play to him And then Anelka, I've got a lot of love for as well, even though he was like, in some ways very similar to Balotelli. I, I think he kind of found a home when he was here at City yeah. as well. And I've got love for that. And, and Tevez, Tevez really, he left under something of a cloud and mm. I think that covers it. But there was just, there was a real sense of a shift when Tevez was here. Uh, but then Rosler, and there's so much love for Rosler as well in terms of what he did and in the team that he was playing. And of course, Dick Offey, we've been lucky enough to have him on yeah, the show sure. here sometimes as well. Um, I never got to see Franny on Mars, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have to rule them out for now. God, what do I do? Who's partner in Big Nile? Come on, Ant. Who's who's his all right, strike partner? All right, so you put it like that. It's partner in Big Nile. I, I'm going to go Sergio. Yeah, I just is, is, that's a, that's a perfect compliment. Most goals ever for City. Yeah. I mean, come on, it's it's, it's got to be Sergio all the way. So that is my front two uh, for Man City. If people want to play this, what do they do? All they need to do head over to the Twitter page at MCR Footy Social. Drop us a follow, and uh, yeah, we're asking people on Twitter who they would pick uh, as their strike force, and there's a United version of that as well, which of course Alex has just done. So at the end of the show, we were playing this little game. We had a few questions left over. Uh, I thought I'd give uh, Nile a chance to to do one or two more. Are you up I for this? Yeah, I can't believe Alex. Yeah, because Alex that question beat at you. The end. Yeah. Oh. All right. I've got. Uh, I think I got two more for you. Do you know what a wandanara is? A wandanara. It sounds like some sort of Spanish tapas dish or something. Wandanara is actually a football agent, and she's also a double wag. A double wag. A double wag, that's right. A wag, a wag. So yeah, so um, I, uh, uh, so you're familiar with the players uh, Maxi Lopez and Mauro Icardi. Yes, they share something in common, apart from having played for the same teams, Argentina, and also you know the same club teams like Sampdoria. Uh, but also they have the same wife, wife slash ex wife. Uh, they were really great friends until Icardi started seeing and then married Lopez's no, oh, ex wife no. Juan Danara. Right now, everybody has moved on. And gone into different clubs, but Lopez has always refused to shake Icardi's hand during the pre-match whenever they play against each other. Right? When they faced each other a couple of years ago for Inter and Torino in Serie A, um, what did Maxi Lopez grab instead of shaking hands? What did he grab? Mm-hmm. Oh goodness me! Surely he's not grabbed him by the nudges. I can't imagine someone doing that. But I mean, I would say by the throat, that's a little bit violent. What did he grab instead? No idea. I can't. I can't think. I can't think. I'm going to give you half a point because it was on himself. He grabbed his own balls instead of of reaching out and getting the other guy. All right. uh, Last one for now on this as well. Uh, Very famously, Craig Bellamy, John Arnarisa 
uh, playing at Liverpool in 2007. Story was leaked that uh, Bellamy attacked Riza with a golf club the day before they had this big game at Barcelona. But what was it that prompted what effectively is assault with a deadly weapon? What did John Arnariza do which prompted Craig Bellamy to attack him with a golf club? It's got to be golf related because you can't just be wandering around the training ground with a four iron if you're Craig Bellamy. So surely, ah, oh, has he they played a game of longest drive or something at the driving range and has he, has he been beaten by John Arnariza? Something to do with that? No, it, it, the, the golf club was just that happened to be there at the time from what I can tell. Um, there was beer involved. There was beer involved? There was beer involved. Apparently... Uh, Benita said everybody could have one beer to relax. Some people had more. <laughs> okay. I reckon, well, surely then, is if Bellamy's lost his head because John Arnaris has had too many beers and they had a big game the next day, unless that, unless that's the only thing I, I can think no. of. No. It all came down to an ancient Japanese art. Origami. No, karaoke. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, uh, Risa refused to get up and do a song despite uh, uh, Bellamy goading him to do so and really annoyed him. So afterwards, when uh, John Anarisa had gone to bed, uh, he snuck into the bedroom and uh, had a got his backside with a golf club. Oh my gosh. Uh, which, But the thing was, the next day, both players scored. Liverpool beat Barcelona 2-1 at the new Comp. And when Bellamy scored, what was his celebration? A little putt. Surely he's got to be some golf yeah, swing. Yeah, yeah golf yeah, swing. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah. I don't know if he did the thing where he lifted out the flag as well at the end, but there you go. All right, well, that was our little game, all based on the fact that uh, Fulham had a bust-up while having relaxing yoga sessions this week. Unbelievable. And then we saw as well, we were talking last week about funny injuries. We saw Alfie Mawson wasn't playing uh, in the Premier League this weekend because he injured himself putting his boots on. So (laughs) get all sorts of random stuff happening. As soon as we talk about it on the podcast, things seem to happen. So hopefully no one gets attacked with a golf club in the next seven days. Yeah, there'll there'll be some interesting things happening. Right, thanks very much for taking the time to download the the show and listen to the podcast. This bit only uh, only available on the podcast, a nice little extra bit. And if you want to join in as well and and do the pick out your favourite player as well, at MCR Footy Social is the place to go. And uh, the next show that you will hear in this feed, if you subscribe to the podcast automatically, uh, will be the Monday night show with Jim Salverson, Statman Dave and Steve McInery. Thanks very much. We'll catch you next time. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.